welcome again to the Just Bloody Post-It podcast, which is made for you to inspire your marketing. Because when we hear about how other people are putting themselves out there in messy, imperfect ways, it helps us think, well, I might just as bloody well do the same. I'm your host, Helen Perry, and every week I speak to someone different to find out what we have in common and what we can learn from them. Subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss any of these wonderful guests. This week, women's fitness specialist Shakira Akabusi. I still really want to create this community where women are getting the knowledge they need. And it's, I've got the knowledge, I just want to give it, you know. And it's not really been until the last few years that a business has even begun to float in the air. My dad was an athlete and then he's now a motivational speaker. And everyone always says like, you and Papa, you just have that bit. You know, I can can speak really passionately and animatedly about something I know. Shakira's an expert in pre and postnatal wellness. She's on a mission to fill the information gap around what happens to women's bodies before and after they give birth and how we can make ourselves stronger in that knowledge. Yes, she's a super fitty, but no, she doesn't know everything and has built her own physical and mental resilience alongside having four children, including twins, and recovering from what she describes as extreme OCD and anxiety. We chat about how she manages that and finds time for herself and content creating, which she loves. Shakira's written a book called The Strong Like Mum Method. So I began by asking her what she thinks it means to be strong like a mum. For me, that word strength is is physical and mental. And for me, motherhood has been the biggest learning curve of my life and I have you know my my boundaries have been pushed and I at times have been pushed out of my comfort zone but I also learned new depths of strength and resilience and energy that I never knew before and 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 that's really why I chose that because to me as a mother the the lessons that I've learned in that and the strength that I feel that I've been able to unlock inside and really feeling empowered. I don't think I've ever felt more powerful, more confident, more capable than I have as a mother. And before I had children, that wasn't really the image that I was sold. You know, when I was pregnant, everyone would tell me of all the things I'd never do again, everything that I would miss and how I'd change and my body would be broken and I would never have time for this and there goes my having any career goals because now all I am is a mum. And actually it's been completely different. It's been the most empowering experience and it's literally set me free and I feel more, as I said, more capable than ever as a mother than, than I ever have. And that's why I came up with that name, Strong Like Mum, because I really wanted, I wanted to share that with more women and have more women feel feel that and be able to go on whatever their journey is as a mum, really feeling that that strength. First of all, I just want to say that I find that idea of learning to be a mum a really interesting one because that's how I found it. It was a new skill that I had to learn and that was almost the shock of it in the first year of having my first child that it wasn't something that happens naturally. It's a learnt skill that you have no choice really other than to to do and, and get involved with but 
it's a shock and it can leave you feeling very inadequate when you realize you don't know what you're what you're doing so I always say to new mums this will be the biggest learning thing you ever do this kind of first 12 months and to be honest I think I'm still learning you know I've got four children and I don't have all the answers you know and 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 I still encounter things with my twins and I'll still feel anxious about something or you know whatever it is and I'm I'm constantly learning but what I know now is that I know I'm going to be able to get through it because I have every time and you know like as I said you reach you think you you are tired and then and, and you know there's that saying you can't pour from an empty cup I'm like yes I can like it's not it's not it's not the ideal way but I'm telling you now there have been many times when my cup has been dry and I've still managed to get something out for my kids because you just can and um you know and, and see you just learn new depths of resilience and power and and it I've found that quite an in, empowering you know journey process in, in a really positive way and I'm not suggesting that we should run on empty but all I am saying is that actually that you know we have we there is such a strength to parenting and it's it's quite a powerful quite a powerful thing I think anybody hearing you you talk about motherhood with so much energy and confidence and enthusiasm and the fact that you've got four children so you've had one and you've gone in for more sort of suggests that maybe this is something that uh, came to you so naturally you've loved it from the the moment that you first had your sort of dreamy birth experience and uh, no problems breastfeeding but actually I mean that's not straight it wasn't as straightforward for you as all that was it uh, I, I think for me, I, I really mentally struggled at times, of, for example, with breastfeeding with my first child. Physically, latch was brilliant, supply was great, all of that brilliant. But emotionally, I had not been prepared for quite how demanding and overwhelming that can be at times. And I'm not saying it's like that all the time. and It's not like that for everybody. But I would almost go as far as say everybody will encounter challenges at some point. And for me, it was this. And I found breastfeeding incredibly challenging emotionally and mentally. It was really difficult for me. And I had high anxiety anyway. And this, you know, really sort of triggered me to spiral. But now, you know, my twins are two years old. And breastfeeding twins, it's double the demand. And actually, it was my, my most positive breastfeeding journey. And I think that's just a good example of how... It hasn't been straightforward, but actually through that journey, I've, I've managed to get to a place where actually I am really comfortable and I found really good positive coping strategies. And, you know, I'm an exercise specialist. For me, exercise is a big part of my coping strategy. It's not the only thing, but it's a big part of it. And I think that, you know, when it comes to having anything like anxiety or high levels of stress, chronic stress, through parenting, we talked about, you You mentioned prioritising yourself. It's so important that you prioritise finding coping strategies and that they are prioritised, that you getting what you need to cope is not a last resort. That's something you need because, you know, happy mum, happy baby. So if we can prioritise ourselves, we're actually investing in our family also. And that's something I, I really had to learn on that journey. I was going to say, did you always carve out that time? I mean, you, you were a 
fitness specialist before you had children did you lose your way with that when your first came along was it hard for you to find that time to give yourself that time no I didn't because that was a big part of my coping strategy um and what so what I often say um when I had my OCD for example and I had extreme OCD you know I was I was that in inverted commas crazy person that you saw walking down the street I was stopping counting the cracks in the road tap 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 uh, you know it I used to work in um Brick Lane and I had to walk from Brick Lane to Liverpool Street which is about a seven minute walk and it took me three hours to do that walk because of the amount of times I had to stop and turn around and I would finish work at like nine o'clock and I wouldn't be at the tube station until 11, 11.30 p.m. because I'd been doing all of this tapping and counting. And and, and so, it's, so it was really extreme. And so eventually... Did the people around you know that you were doing that? So no, people I worked with, I would always... It, it was... It's so funny now looking back because I actually haven't asked them whether... They must have picked up something like, oh, I wonder why she's always... You know, she's a bit stressed or something. But I would always say, oh, I think I dropped something. or Oh, I've lost something in my pocket. You know, and I'd pretend something else was happening. And I'd say, oh, don't worry, go on without me. I'll, 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 you know, I'll get home in a minute. Or I've left something back there. I need to go back. And I would just find a way to make sure I could fit in all these compulsions that I needed to. Did it start when you were pregnant or after you'd had the baby? Yeah, so I, I've had, I, I'd had OCD on and off since I was a teenager. But it was more of a game. I was like, oh, I wonder, you know, if I could tap this five times or what, you know, whatever it would be. But then the thing for me in pregnancy was that thing of being out of control. And that's also something I've learned during motherhood is to learn to be comfortable in the uncomfortable, be comfortable not having control over everything and knowing that you've got what it takes to handle what comes at you. And at that time, I wasn't in that headspace. Um, So I was, you know, really stressed and then what hypnotherapy gave me was it gave me a way to slow when you have something like anxiety there's so many thoughts in your head the second I would open my eyes in the morning it'd be like you've got to do this if you don't do this this happen whatever this happened you know worst case scenario catastrophizing everything and it would be so busy and hypnotherapy just slowed the thought so that I could begin I'd, I'd have a thought and I'd think hang on a minute I don't I don't think this is my instinct telling me this I think this is my anxiety telling me this and eventually I was able to process and put the anxiety ones to one side and not act on them and it was slow and exercise gave me that same thing if I could go out for a 20 minute run it wasn't about I want to get back into my pre-baby jeans all of that it was it would give me that breakaway that I could come back and I could rationalize the situation you know my children being unwell was always a massive trigger still is a big trigger for me to feel really nervous if one of them is sick and before I would be like, oh my gosh, it's sick. Okay, I need to set an alarm every half an hour. I need to get up through the night. I need to take the temperature three times, whatever the middle temperature is. That's going to be the one I need to write it down. Then I need to go back half an hour later if it's two, 0.2 degrees higher, you know, all of that. And if I could get out and get some exercise or just go out and take a few deep breaths, whatever it was, stretch, I'd come back and I'd think, okay, that I don't think that that is necessarily uh, my instinct telling me that. I think maybe I can leave it two hours. And I can take the temperature. And actually, I'm looking at the child and they're breathing fine and they're sleeping well and they don't seem stressed. And then I could just, it just allowed me to process my thoughts better. And I have used that technique in in my exercise, in my motherhood, in my business. And that is something that, that's a life lesson, I think, that I have really learnt 
to, and as I said, to what, whatever it is that makes you feel calm, do it and prioritize it because that is an investment in yourself, in your health, in your children. That is, it's, a, it's a real investment. Um, and I, I have always prioritized that. Your business and your book is, is not just for people who've had OCD or extreme anxiety connected with motherhood. Though. Who do you think it can help? So this book is for anybody who is considering conception, who is pregnant or who is postpartum. And it doesn't matter whether you are five months postpartum or you're 10 years postpartum. This book is what it's not. It's easier for me to tell you what it's not. It is not a quick fix. So this book is not a get your abs back in eight weeks kind of thing. This book is about laying those strong foundations. And I start with um, a positive uh, mental connection to exercise. I talk about affirmations, mantras, self-belief, you know, all of that to really make sure that we have those good foundations that are going to help us sustain a healthy lifestyle. Not, oh, I'm going to do this for six weeks over the summer and then, oh, it's winter and I don't care. No, this is about a healthy lifestyle for you and your family. Um, and and with that, in in laying those strong foundations, my belief is that once we understand why we're doing something, you know, I wanted to I wanted to share that expert knowledge as well. I didn't just want to be like, do this exercise three times a day. I wanted to explain to women, this is why we're doing this. This is what happens to your pelvis. This is why you're feeling an ache in your back. This is why your foot health is so important because it's going to impact your pelvic floor. This is why we need to release jaw tension because it's linked to our pelvic health. You know, all of that. Give women that knowledge because once we understand, certainly once I understand something, then I'm much more likely to stick to it and to value its importance so, I, you know, it's about, it says on the front of the book, instinct, knowledge and exercise. And that is what it is. It's tapping into the female instinct, understanding the female body, sharing the expert knowledge and then giving women the exercises that are going to help them physically and mentally have a healthy, positive parenting experience. How do you and do you seek to separate your message from like thin like mum? you know you're you know you're you're an you are a fitness expert enthusiast you know you've grown up with that it's now your job and so much of physical fitness whether we like it or not is connected with slimness and wanting to be slim and wanting to be like you were when you were younger how in all of your messaging do you try and separate what you do from that it's hard I think um, it is hard because what I don't want to do is villainize the idea of having aesthetic goals because that's also okay. You know, I think that's that's natural. I had aesthetic goals when I had my children. I definitely had weight that I wanted to lose and areas that I wanted to tone. So it's not that that's not okay. But for me, it's that that core motivator, there's there's more than that. There is more that exercise can give us. And it's not just that. A, a woman's only goal after having a, a baby is not to lose weight. You know, there is so much more that we can do. And our bodies, you know, it's, it's it's about instilling this respect for all bodies, but the female body is what I'm, you know, an expert in and what I'm talking about. And respecting what our body has done, which is absolutely incredible. And I don't just mean the growing a baby and having a baby, but again, in my book, I talk about how the female body has evolved over the years and the compromises it has to make in order to be able to stand upright but birth a baby, but be narrow enough that we can run and walk. It's absolutely phenomenal. And having that respect, um, and that that's much more than just, I want to be skinny. What I want to do is 
the same way that my body supports me every day, gets me up, gives me energy, carries my babies on my back, in my belly, however, I want to support my body in that way and give it the, the support and health that it needs. So yes, aesthetic goals, we can have them. And there are absolutely exercises in there that are going to help you achieve your aesthetic goals. But it is more than just that. It's not just that. And that's kind of my stance on it. It's not that aesthetic goals aren't, aren't okay. Yes, of course they are. But there is more than that. And, and that's kind of my message. Did you see this becoming your business before you had the kids? Definitely not before I had the kids. because So I, very briefly, I used to be a singer, had an operation on my voice. The, the operation went wrong. So after that, I couldn't sing. So I needed a new career. And my mum was um, a personal trainer, but she worked in injury rehabilitation. So she worked with, you know, um, people who've had hip replacements, knee replacements, things like that. And I remember sitting with her in the gym long before I had children. And I remember saying to her, does this actually work? Can you actually make a difference in someone's life just with exercise because I am terrible at selling something I don't believe in I used to work at a makeup counter and I'd been there one day and they were like okay you know when a bride comes you tell her you sell her the vision oh this lipstick and your you know hair blowing in the wind and I was awful at that job because I could not sell something that I didn't really believe I felt like a complete fake you know so I asked my mum is this real she was like yes you can actually do it so then I, I did a personal training and then when I was starting to consider conception, I realized how little information there is out there on women's health during and after pregnancy, which is crazy because for many women at some point in their life, they will be pre or postnatal. Um, and I think at the time, this statistic was around, it was like 5% or 5.5% of fitness industry professionals are qualified in pre and postnatal, which is ridiculous. So I decided to specialize in that. And then I worked with women one-on-one -on -one, and then it wasn't until I was pregnant that I started to blog about it. And that's when I realized, oh, I'm actually on this blogging platform. I can communicate on a global scale with women. And that was really exciting to me that I could speak to women in America, Australia, Africa, China, wherever. And we can have this conversation about female health. And I learned so much as well because different corners of the world, there are um, you know, different, there's so many different specialist populations that have different needs. And, you know, it's, it's incredible, the research that is coming out of different corners of the world. So I wanted to learn more, I found it really exciting, I learned so much. And then at that stage, um, it wasn't so much a business, it was a community. And I really wanted, and I still really want to create this community where women are getting the knowledge they need. And it's, I've got the knowledge, I just want to give it, you know. And and it's not really been until the last few years that a business has even begun to float in the air. And I I mean, it's a business sort of, I suppose. I do, I, I, I have a book, for example, you know, that, that was a business um, uh, project. But so much of the work I do online, I'll always say I will never collaborate on something or work with a brand that I don't genuinely believe in because I don't think that's very helpful. I think what women need is is real information that's really going to help them. And that's that's what I want to do. Do you think that your uh, performance background helps you with podcasting, with uh, public appearances, with making videos for Instagram, whatever you might be doing? Um, you come across really well. Do you think that you had that in you to be able to do that? Or is it just come from that place of passion about your topic? Both. I think like in my family, I mean, my dad um, was an athlete and then he, he's now a motivational speaker. 
And everyone always says like, you and Papa, you just have that fit. You know, I can, I, I can speak really passionately and animatedly about something I know. So I think that is something I maybe naturally have. I don't know. I have also been in performing arts. So I know, I don't know, you know, you learn uh, to project your voice, for example, and all of that. So I can do all of that. But I told you I'm rubbish at selling something I don't believe in. So I, I have to really believe it. And also, I've got no problem saying I don't know. So I remember when I first started training, and people would ask me questions, and I tried to come up with some like waffly answer and be like, oh, yes, well, you know, general health statistics say, but I wouldn't actually know. Whereas now, I'm quite confident, I'm confident in what I know. And if I don't know, I'd rather say, do you know what, I actually don't know, but I'm going to do a lot of research and I'll come back to you. And I have no problem saying that. Um, and, 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 and honestly, actually, do you know what motherhood has taught me? That I don't think anyone has all the answers to anything. Like, I used to think my mum knew everything. And now I'm a mum. I know that a lot of it, <laughs> a lot of the time, my mum probably didn't have a clue. And so I'm, I'm comfortable knowing what I know and not knowing what I don't and just being open to learning. So I'm, I'm not trying to be perfect. And, um, and, and I think I'm just, I'm just doing something that I love. I think it's a mixture. I'm doing what I love. I, I, I think I do it well and I hope that it's useful. People of a certain age like mine will remember your dad, um, the Olympian Chris Akabusi. And because the um, Commonwealth Games has been on in the last um, few weeks, I was chatting to some other friends about my age and we were like, wow, can you remember in the 1980s when athletics was the only sport on telly? <laughs> so people like your dad were like massive stars <laughs> at that time. It was that or snooker. <laughs> oh my gosh, snooker, yeah. When my husband watches snooker, then I know like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm in for the long haul of him wanting to watch this. It goes on for hours. Um, yeah, well, I, I I don't remember. I mean, I was a kid when my dad was sort of at the height of his career, and 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 we ne- we didn't get around the TV and watch Papa. So it's now as an adult, I understand what a big deal that was. And like when I now watch back his races or I play it to my kids, I'm like, look what our pair used to do. I'm like, wow, that's that's pretty amazing. But at the time, I was just like oh papa's at it again like there he is running around you know I just didn't really think about it um and interestingly I was asked recently you know what did I learn most from my dad and his career and 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 the the first thing that I learned was about real determination um because my dad is the first one to say he didn't have the best technique as a hurdler and he when he switched from 400 meter flat to 400 hurdles they always told him they told him old dogs don't learn new tricks that's what they said to him and my dad didn't have the best technique, but he ha- he had like that grit and determination where he just kept going and he managed to achieve great things. So I learned that. But I also learned from my dad the importance of a support network. I've never had a problem asking for help because I saw how often my dad needed people around him, including my mum. You know, she was a really great support for him at home. And then he was able to go and achieve these things. So I think being able to admit something you can't do or your your faults or your weaknesses is actually a strength. Um, and so, so, yeah, I learned great things from my dad. 
This is an ad break. If you'd like to support the Just Bloody Post-It podcast and join an inner sanctum of creative business owners, then sign up to the new membership. That's how every week you'll get exclusive access to Just Bloody Post-It Notes, my mini podcast on marketing matters. This week, I'm talking about a speech I'm writing about Instagram for a conference what I think about how to grow there now and what I think about Instagram generally at the moment. Click the link in my show notes to get it. Back to Shakira. When you're in this business of kind of talking to people through your phone or, uh, you know, a podcast or a blog post or whatever, you're your unique selling point is the fact that you're just you and of course you as one person don't know everything I mean that would that doesn't make you an engaging person to connect with you know if you say the things that you don't know then people are more likely I think to believe the things that you say that you do know to be true Um, and nobody really wants to learn from somebody who's perfect I think particularly when it comes to health and fitness you know we really want to feel like or I would certainly want to feel like I'm connecting with somebody who's human where do you talk about your work I discovered you on Instagram actually Instagram suggested I follow you which 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 often is a, not a, not a good suggestion from Instagram but this time it really <laughs> this time it really was but what and I know that you podcast I know that you write I know that you have the book what what, what are what are all the different things that you're doing and how how on earth do you find time to fit that all in around everything else you're doing? The first thing is that sometimes I don't. In fact, often I don't find the time. But when I can, it's what I was just saying. I, I use a support network. I have a great support network. I am not afraid to ask my friends or my family, does anybody fancy having my kids for a play date because I really need to do this? You know, I don't have. I don't worry about that, so I'll, I'll ask for help when I need it. Um, and then actually what I was saying before, it's also, well, no, it's not only is it determination or, or, you know, work ethic, which is, which is important, but it actually is about loving what you do. And that's also the thing with exercise. It's finding something you love, you know, because people will ask me, what do you do to, to look like that? Or what do you do to stay fit? And I'm like, well, this is what I do, but actually what I do it doesn't have to be what you do. You know, it, it really is about finding something you love. Some people are going to love getting up at 5am and going to that boot camp and sweating buckets. Other people want to do sunrise yoga. Other people want to go for a power walk. You know, But it's finding what you love because that's going to make it sustainable. So, and I love my work. I love my work. I love being creative. You know, you said I used to be a performer. Love being creative. And I love learning. And I do every time I'm creating a post, I'm learning because I'll do all my research and whatever, you know. And so I, I, I really enjoy it. So I make sure I find the time. But as I said, at the very beginning, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I don't. And, you know, the other week I didn't post for five days. And I just, I, I enjoy it. So I just do it when I can do it. And if I can't, I'm also, I'm also really big since I've got older, actually, and it wasn't always this way, but I'm, I really try to keep myself focused on being really grateful for all the good things I have that we can so easily take for granted. And so I love my job. I love Instagram, love creating content, but if I can't do it, there's so many, so many things that I am grateful for just every day, getting up, you know, being able, having, having a healthy children and, you know, all of that kind of thing that, 
that's okay. I'm not going to let, let that, t- the moments I can't do it, it's not going to stress me out. And it, it's a long game. It's like, it's, a, it's your, it's your passion. It's, you love it. So a five day break in the scheme of things is, I mean, it's just nothing. It's nothing. Everybody else is busy doing their thing. Most people won't have noticed you haven't been there for a few days. And just like you say, you just keep on doing it when you can do it. And I would like to thank the internet for helping me with exercise, actually. And it goes to show how I think how many different voices can be so helpful. Um, I listen uh, to Dr. Chatterjee. Do you listen to his podcast ever? Yeah. And he talks about sort of microbursts of movement and exercise. And I'm a kind of lifelong believer that I had no athletic ability or like nothing to offer I couldn't do sport I couldn't run but just listening to him talk about little bits of movement I think that for me that was sort of unlocked a whole world of possibilities and sort of gave me position uh, permission to come into the the world of movement so um as I like to call it rather than exercise so I think just lots of voices talking about it in different ways you never know who you're gonna reach and help I think yeah. And I, um, I, I write about that in my book, actually, in, in the context of running, because people always think running seems to be this thing that everyone thinks is an elite thing. And they'll be like, I'm not a runner. Oh, I'm not I'm not a runner. Or I'm a runner, you know. And it seems to be this. And I, <laughs> I would actually be one of those people who is not a runner in inverted commas. If I had to run a 5k, that is like Everest to me. And it takes me forever and I'm not fast and I'll complain the whole way. But I, I love running. So I run, but I, you know, I'm not, I'm not necessarily like a runner. And people seem to think, oh, gosh, no, 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 I couldn't run with you because you're a runner. And actually, we need to break that down. Like you said, running is something we can all do. Like sometimes I just run from my little office here to the front door. And I'm like, I've run today, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Even if you're stop starting, you're running. Even if you're walking and you run for 30 seconds and then you walk again for three minutes and then you're like, oh, I'll run for 30 seconds and then I walk home. You're a runner. You, it's that simple. I want to bring it back, not to my exercise epiphany, but to you. And uh, Shakira, what, how would you like, where would you like to take this? Where would you like to see it going? I'm a really big picture person. So I'm like, I want to do this and talk on a global scale. And then like, actually how it would get there. I have no idea. So I'm I'm just winging that bit. Um, But I think sort of my initial plans, I really want to create um, postnatal plans, courses. But again, I don't, I want to share the knowledge. So I don't just want to whack videos in front where it's like, do this 10 minute workout, do this 10 minute workout. I want to give women the knowledge. So through pregnancy, postpartum, for cesarean mothers, vaginal birth, multiple births, multiple pregnancies. And I really want to sort of start putting that together, getting that information out there. So that will be something I do. I would love to write more. I would love to write more. And then ultimately, I would I would love to be, it sounds very vague to say I'd want to be a global sp- spokesperson for, for women's health. But I have such a strong... Um, passion to share the knowledge but also to shatter this stereotype of this stereotypical mum who's got no energy and it sounds archaic and and actually that that doesn't that doesn't have to be the reality you can create what we whatever reality you want 
And this isn't saying you need to go out and be a businesswoman. No, you know, being a stay at home mum is a full time job. And we can feel equally as empowered in that as we can if we want to be CEO of whatever. But it's about just, you know, really shattering that stereotype of any specific type that we can be the type of mother we want to be and and how we can fit healthy lifestyle in within that. And I would love to do that and, you know, speak on more panels, hold workshops and do more of what we're doing here. The possibilities are just enormous. You know, I had my children just, you know, a little bit more than 10 years ago. There was just nothing, nothing like this available. I did like three... Um, uh, antenatal yoga classes where I sort of learned to breathe and that was it there is just and then there was I could go and push a buggy around a lake with a lady I remember that buggy fit there was virtually nothing and there was certainly nothing that really focused on you as an individual and how your overall well-being can help you in life and parenting and I just think the possibilities are endless Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate that. It was a lot of fun. Okay, so I have linked to Shakira's book in the show notes and that episode of Dr. Chatterjee's Feel Better, Live More podcast I was getting very excited about. And think about this. I love Shakira's dreams of world domination, of becoming a global spokesperson for women's health and fitness. Why not? Someone has to do it. I think we could be guilty, especially as mums and women, of making ourselves too small. Thank you always for listening. Tell your friends about the show if you think they'd like it. Nothing beats a personal recommendation. And if you want more, come over to the membership and we can continue the conversation. Thank you for your support always. It means loads. Love until next time. Bye. Bye.